Okay, so uh, part two in our Picks Mini. So we are now going to be talking about the second uh, uh, show that came out, and uh, that was Luxo Jr., which, uh, for those of you who do not know, actually, I actually first saw on Sesame Street. I did too. Yeah. So, I mean, anyone who, I mean, if, if you've been living under a massive rock for like, you know, I guess a good 50, 60 years, for those of you who do not know, Sesame Street basically is a preschool kids show that has been helping, uh, uh, you know, younger kids uh, learn from basically watching television and interacting with basically, and also kind of like was the, uh, uh, the um, the the primordial lose, I guess you could say, for like the whole Muppets, uh, you know, uh, genre. I guess you could yeah, say. Much. And uh, yeah, so uh, you know, you had uh, you know, you had the counts, and then you had the Cookie Monster, and then you had uh, all the other you know kids as well, and like the neighborhood Sesame Street itself, where they would uh, have it all set in Big Bird too, and uh, it would basically be this uh, whole fun learning experience. But then in between all of that, there would basically be animated features that they would do. So they'd be the pinball machine, you know, going one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and uh, but uh, you know, occasionally they would also get independent animators also do their thing as well, and. That's where Pixar comes in. And so enter Luxo Jr. Mm -hmm. And Luxo Jr., for those who um, are familiar with watching every single Pixar film, he is the little um, light uh, that he would like jump onto the eye and then would the movie would start. So that is this is where he first started. And that's how you know him. So, uh, mm -hmm. And that is how you know him. It's, it's kind of shocking that um, Andre and Wally B didn't become the mascots of Pixar, but I guess Luxo Jr. is a little bit more universal and iconic. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I couldn't imagine them being, uh, you know, mascots of Pixar. I think this point. And also, well, I mean, Luxo Jr. as well. Like, uh, they managed to make a lamp, a desk lamp, look adorable. Like, yeah. you know, like uh, that, that's, uh, and I think, um, the desk lamp as well, given the fact that it's, um, it is, uh, an object that will be on, like, on a very creative person's desk, I could probably imagine that would be a good, like, uh, you know, icon to have, I think, as your yeah. mascot, so, I, I think, that, I think the desk lamp, I think, is probably the, um, the best thing, I think, that, uh, Pixar could use as, uh, to kind of, like, describe who they are as a company. So. Yeah, and apparently it was based off of the idea of John Lasseter's old student film called The Lady and the Lamp, in which he wanted to give uh, personality into inanimate objects. And so uh, basically he decided to increase it up to the next level with the technology that they had. And um, one of their employees at the time, uh, Tom Porter, had brought his son over to work and Lasseter was you know, playing alongside with him. And then he saw that the baby's head was huge compared to the rest of its body. And he thought that wouldn't it be funny if we can be able to combine the two? And so that is how uh, Luxo Jr. came to be. Mm. So the idea of Luxo Jr. once again is a very simple concept. It's uh, um, there's a ball that gets knocked around on a desk, and uh, there's the big lamp. I'm assuming he's like the parents of like the smaller lamp. I guess you could say. Maybe I think, and so. I think so. I, I'm guessing so. And so um, the uh, little lamp finds this little ball and uh, starts playing around with it, and uh, to to the annoyance of the big lamp in a way. But uh, I guess uh, eventually it, uh, the big lamp gets to the point where it's like, oh yeah, I'm just uh, you know enjoying this in, in the best way I can. But then the ball pops, and uh, the little lamp is sad because uh, obviously it's uh, you know not got his ball anymore. But then he finds another ball and he's happy again. So. Yeah, and this is actually where the ball that you guys know for all the Pixar movies, uh, you know, the uh, yellow and blue ball with the star on it, uh, this is where it originally came from. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so, I mean, there's a, funny enough, for like a very small and very simple short, so there's a lot of Easter eggs already like uh, planted in the uh, in the Pixar DNA, which would then flow off into like other movies. 
Yeah, so yeah, uh, the only thing we need to complete it is we need to have the A113 and we're good to go. Yep, and we're good to go. So, um, in regards to, like, I really like this shot because it's something very simple and something very basic, but yet it can still be, like, engaging to the eye. Like, uh, you, know, you ignore the fact that there's no scenery or no background or anything like that. It literally is just, like, the lights of the lamps just, like, uh, reflecting down on the, on the table. And uh, it only just gives you, like, so much. And uh, I love how this shot just... Just uh, gives you, uh, you know, very little to look at, but gives you a lot to kind of in in absorb, you know, because you're looking at inanimate objects, as you said before, that, uh, you know, are coming to life and uh, are, you know, moving around and uh, are basically, and also have personality as well. So, you know, yeah, yeah they, they that, had that. to work. They had to work with the limitations because, uh, you know, they were running on a very tight schedule with a limited budget. So it was even said in various interviews that John Lasseter and the other animator, Ed Camille, that they had to work on the clock, you know, to they can be able to finish this short on time, even to the point in which they would just stay late in their offices and sleep under their desks so that they can be able to wake up the next morning and just finish off the short. Oh, wow. Yeah, just like that's dedication when you really look at it. It's just this, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So, um, in regards to, um, I mean, and also, it's got like a nice jazzy soundtrack, and I think that's something that we're going to see in some of the earlier shorts as well. Like, uh, they do go on like you know emotionally kind of like jazz, you know, soundtracks when you when you when you go into it, and so. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot more creative, I think I would say, more than Andre and Wally B is, because when you really think about it, Andre and Wally B in the previous one just had, like, uh, just stock music and stock, you know, sound effects. But uh, in this one, it looks like they actually, uh, you know, were more creative with the sounds, more creative with the music, and uh, really gave the the audience, um, you know, something original to kind of like, uh, an original concept to kind of play with in their minds. Yeah. And the music was done by Brian Bennett. Uh, for those who don't know, he is the drummer behind The Shadows. Mm -hmm. Cool. So, um, I mean, pretty short and sweet. Um, we saw it on Sesame Street. We loved it. And uh, little did we know that uh, it was gonna, the people who were behind it were going to basically do something even bigger than that. So... Yeah, and uh, we would see Luxo Jr. because it was actually um, put into the Toy Story 2 uh, showing if you were to see it in theaters and if you own the DVD of it. So, yeah, if you want to watch uh, Luxo Jr., you can check it out there. Uh, you can check it out in the uh, Pixar Classic Shorts Collection, and I think it's even on Disney+. Plus. So if you want to see where truly the mascot of Pixar came from, this is where you first start. Okay. All right, guys, see you in part three tomorrow, and uh, take care. See you later.